is the purpose of divine discipline? Is the purpose punishment? If that's not the answer, what is? Well, there are several different purposes in divine discipline. One should be emphasized, and it's mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 6. May I invite your attention to Ezekiel chapter 6, where we need to do some discussion about divine discipline. And while you're turning, let me quote a fellow who wrote on this passage and said, quote, after giving four dramatic signs, which we saw in the last session, Ezekiel delivers two sermons beginning the same way. The word of the Lord came to me. He does that in chapter 6, verse 1, and he does it again in chapter 7, verse 1, which we will see in the next section. But going back to this author, he says, God was the source of the words that Ezekiel delivered. The first message, which is the one we're going to look at today, was on Israel's idolatry, the cause for the judgment. The second message, which we'll see next time, depicted the nature of the judgment. That's in chapter 7. So, the Lord commanded Ezekiel to announce a prophetic message to the Jews in captivity after his time of imposed silence ended. In these messages... He elaborates on some of the symbols he introduced in chapter 5. The first message dealt with the cause of the judgment, namely idolatry. And as I mentioned a minute ago, the second with the nature of the judgment in chapter 7. So, well, that is sort of an introduction to the next two chapters. Let's look at chapter 6, verse 1, where he's going to start by talking about this judgment. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. The mountains of Israel are used here to refer to idolatry since idol shrines were placed on high places which were commonly built on mountains. The land would be is punished because of all of this idolatry that was in the land. The expression, set your face toward, always means to turn toward something with hostile intents. In all 14 occurrences in the book of Ezekiel. So, uh, if the practice of turning to Jerusalem for prayer was already catching on in the exile, this would be ironic that he would say, turn to them with hostile intent. Verse 3, And say, O mountain of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God, to whom the mountains, to the hills, and to the raven, ravines, and the valleys, indeed, I, even I, will bring a sword against you, and I will destroy your high places. The object of his judgment would be the high places of worship that stood throughout the land. The term high places can refer to many places 
where the Canaanite gods were worshipped, as I pointed out a minute ago. So he's simply saying, by addressing his message to the land itself, he's focusing on the Lord's, I mean the land, the people's immoral use of the land. So he's addressing the land in verse 3, but he's doing that because they use the land for idolatry to set up idolatrous worship. Verse 4 says, Then your altar shall be desolate, your incense altar shall be broken, and I will cast down your slain men before your idols. God would destroy the altars of idols, and the people who worship before them would fall slain around them. Verse 5, and I will lay the corpses of the children of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around the idols, uh, altars. The Lord would defile these altars with bones of the Israelites who died before them. He says in verse 6, In all your dwelling places the city shall be laid waste, and the high places shall be desolate, so that your altars may uh, be laid waste and made desolate, and your idols will be broken and made to cease. Your incense altars will be cut down, and your works may be abolished. In other words, pagan altars of all types that the people had built will be broken down throughout all the land and all the cities. Verse 7. The slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Many people would die. God's people would know when all of this happened that the Lord, God, had done it. The clause, you will know that I am the Lord, occurs about 65 times in this book and repeatedly in the oracles about foreign nations, which we will get to when we get to chapter 25. So the nations will realize that its gods are false. The people would know that the Lord God is the true God, for he says, I am the Lord. By the way, that phrase occurs 63 times in the book of Ezekiel. I'm pointing these things out just to show that if you get familiar with the book, these little phrases crop up over and over and over again. The point is, judgment will be pervasive in the land, knocking down all these idols the people had built. Now, in these opening verses of chapter 6, he's describing clearly judgment. Just a simple reading of the passage indicates that. Beginning in verse 8, he talks about a remnant. Now keep in mind, he's saying altars are going to be destroyed, people are going to die. Yet, verse 8, I will leave a remnant so that you may have some who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered throughout the countries. Interesting. In spite of the severity of judgment on Judah, a remnant would escape and would be dispersed among the nations. 
So in the midst of God's judgment, there is a promise of mercy. God would spare some. Not all Israelites would be destroyed. Some would escape the sword. So this is indicating God's going to have a remnant. Look at verse 9. Then those of you who escape, we're talking about the remnant, will remember me among the nations when they are carried captive because I have crushed by their idolatrous heart which has departed from me and by their eyes which play the harlot after their idols. They will loathe themselves for the evils which they committed in their abominations. Notice how sin breaks God's heart. In exile, the people would come to their senses and loathe themselves for what they had done. They would despise themselves when they remembered how their idolatrous hearts and lustful eyes had hurt the Lord. The Hebrew word translated idols literally means dung gods. That word occurs 38 times in Ezekiel and only nine times elsewhere in the Old Testament. So, he's saying, I'm going to have a remnant, and the remnant is going to remember all of this situation. Now look at verse 10. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain I would bring this calamity upon them. In acknowledging their sin and the justice of their judgment, they would again be brought back to the Lord. They will know that He is the Lord. Their personal knowledge of God would result from the calamity of the exile. God did not bring the captivity on Israel in vain. Thus says the Lord, ponder your fist and stamp your feet and say, Alas, for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by the famine and by pestilence. The people in Ezekiel were to express derision that the sword, the famine, and the plague would come and judge these evil abominations. The three instruments of judgment summarize the full range of divine punishment that would be inflicted on these people. Someone has said the last section, that is verses 11 to 14, begin with God instructing Ezekiel to strike his hands uh, to strike his hands together, stomp his feet, and cry out. Alas, striking hands together, clapping, was a sign of rejoicing or derision. The phrase here probably is derision, not rejoicing. So he says in verse 12, He who is far off shall die by pestilence. He who is near shall fall by the sword. He who remains and is besieged shall die by the famine. Thus I will send my fury upon them. Ezekiel was to demonstrate his 
decisive behavior because of all the wicked and detestable practices of the house of Israel. Destruction by the sword, famine, and plague summarizes the judgment already enacted uh, by the prophet in his fourth sign back in chapter 5. Those in Jerusalem who escape one calamity would only find another waiting to strike them down. Now, I want to pause here and comment on an analysis of this chapter. You'll recall we started out uh, in the passage, God describes a judgment that's coming. That's very clear. Then all of a sudden, he says, but the destruction that's coming is not going to be total. There's going to be a remnant. But this passage has three parts. It's the third part that I think is most interesting. I began by saying, what is the purpose of divine judgment? Well, this passage describes the judgment and the fact that some will escape, but it concludes by giving us the purpose of all of that judgment. So look at verse 13. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when they, their slain are among their idols all around their altars and on every hill and on every mountaintop and every green tree and every thick oak whenever they offered sweet incense to all their idols. The people would recognize the Lord was at work in the judgment when they observed so many of the Israelites slain before the pagan places of worship. As one author says, the imagery of chapter 6, 1 to 7 was repeated here as God promised that he would slay the people among their altars on every high hill, under every spreading tree and every oak. Often on the high places where these altars were built, there were trees which represented growth and possibly futility. The oak uh, is... Uh, was common in Palestine in those days, and it grew to heights of 35 to 40 feet. Uh, matter of fact, in the valley where David slew Goliath, it received its name because of the abundance of the trees. God had given Israel a land spread with trees and leafy oaks, but the people corrupted his gift using those, those displays of his bounty as places of offering incense to idols. That is what verse 13 is talking about. Now look at verse 14. So I will stretch out my hand against them and make their land desolate, yes, more desolate than the wilderness from Dibelah in all their dwelling places, then you will know that I am the Lord. One suggests this verse should read in the wilderness near Riblah, which was the same as saying Dan to Beersheba. In other words, the destruction of the land would be complete from north to south. Uh, this is the third time in this chapter 
that they acknowledge that they will know the Lord. So what is the purpose of divine discipline? What is this telling us? And the answer is, the purpose of discipline is restoration. That when I get done, they will know that I am the Lord. So he's going to destroy the idols. And a lot of the idol worshipers among his people. So that they will know I am the Lord. Remember how many times I pointed out that phrase appears? Well, that's the point. The purpose of God's judgment was to restore the people to a proper relationship with himself. The expression, they will know that I am the Lord, appears 65 times in Ezekiel and is one of the major purposes of God for his people. And in this passage, that kind of thing is referred to in verse 7, verse 10, verse 13, and verse 14. In every generation, God's judgment and discipline is misunderstood by most people. God's chief desire is to bring people to himself or back to himself. When mankind willfully refuses to turn to him, God mercifully uses discipline and judgment, one author says, to cause the people to recognize that he is the only true God, always faithful to what he has said he would do in his word. Now, a lot of the material in the prophets are specifically related to what was going on in Israel in those days. And this is no exception. But are there parallels? Is there New Testament reflection of these kinds of truths? In this particular passage, it says, I'm going to do all this judgment, and when I get done, the remnant is going to know that I am God. I'm calling that restoration. They're going to be restored back to the place they should have been in the first place, knowing that he is God, not the idols. That's the point. Well, is such a truth taught in the New Testament? And the answer is yes. How about Galatians 6, 1? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a trespass, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of weak, meek gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, doesn't that tell us that what God wants to do is restore his people? And we are to be involved. If some brother drifts away from the Lord, then what we are to do is go restore that brother, recognizing that ultimately it is the Lord who does the work. So we need to walk away from this passage knowing that what the Lord wants to do is for us to recognize who he is and have a relationship with him. And when we drift away, he will Exercise judgment in terms of divine discipline to bring us back to himself. Father, thank you for this 
wonderful truth that you are a gracious, merciful God. And even though you're righteous in your judgment, you're merciful in your restoration. In Jesus' name, amen.